With your latest news, I'm April Cummings. The chief medical officer, Dr. John Lee, reports an additional 377 COVID-19 tests completed over the past 24 hours. Of those 377, one person tested positive for COVID-19 and is a known contact of a previously reported positive case. The person is already in isolation. To date, there are 85 confirmed cases with 50 people recovered, 4,564 have been tested, and there has been one death. There was no COVID-19 briefing today, but there is one planned for tomorrow. Premier the Honorable Alden McLaughlin says government is definitely feeling the pressure from the business community to reopen, but stands firm that the measures taken are what must be done. We cannot safely reopen the economy until we are certain that there aren't significant numbers of clusters of cases around. This, all of the signs in Cayman are very good. Our population is small. We've closed the borders. At Monday's briefing, the Premier said if we are patient and follow the protocols, he is confident we will move forward. We can, I am certain, get to a position re relatively soon where all of us can move around with, with real confidence that the virus is unlikely to be um, in the person that is talking to you now, standing next to you, serving you in the store. We'll be able to, as I've said before, reopen restaurants, particularly those that are able to serve on the terrace or outside, and even perhaps open some of the, the bars that are, that are open here outside relatively soon. The Premier said Monday all we need to do is look at what's happened in other countries who reopened too quickly to get an understanding of what's at stake. I don't know why anyone can believe that it's going to be any different in, in Grand Cayman than it is anywhere else in the world. The virus is going to come back and it's going to come back with a vengeance with the result that we either have a complete and utter shutdown of everything again or we let the virus have its way and, uh, and take out as many people as it takes out, which is generally the approach that the United States seems to be adopting. Mr. McLaughlin says Cayman is taking a methodical approach to reopening and reiterated his position that human life is more important than economic consideration. Medical Officer of Health Dr. Samuel Williams Rodriguez explains the 14-day isolation period for anyone coming into the islands is an absolute requirement. So persons who arrive here into the island need to remain in quarantine, must remain in quarantine for 14 days and they will be tested after the 14 days. If they test negative, they will be allowed to, to go. The reason we are implementing this is because somebody could be um, incubating the virus yet and test negative. And then if we allow them to go into the, release them into the, into the public, that there is a risk in there. Dr. Williams Rodriguez says the two-week period of isolation is the safest method of avoiding further spread into the community and is particularly important for those arriving on island. With no additional coronavirus cases in the BRAC, government, as we reported, has eased restrictions on that island. Sister Island's MLA, the Honorable Juliana O'Connor Conley, says she is thrilled the island has come this far and says they've beaten the virus because of the hard work from people on the front line and the discipline of the community. Together, we really worked assiduously to make sure we maintain that balance. And I can assure you that all of our constituencies are extremely happy and those who didn't have fuel in their boats are going to get it because they're going fishing. I think even most of them might take a little line up. And it didn't come without long nights and hard working. We're nine miles away, but we have an elderly community. Our demographics are different. 
so we understand the balance. But I can say there'll be jubilation with our constituents and a lot of relief as well. As of May 7th, close to 32% of Cayman Brack had samples taken, and there has only been one person testing positive for COVID-19. The Chamber of Commerce is continuing to intensify efforts to offer support to local businesses and individuals through a series of free webinars under the theme Supporting Businesses in a Time of Crisis. Tomorrow, they turn their attention to landlord and tenant issues. Chamber CEO Will Pinot. Helping businesses and individuals get through this COVID-19 pandemic is a top priority for the Chamber at this time. Our webinar series regularly attract close to 200 attendees per seminar, so it is clear that the public is eager to obtain this relevant and timely information. We are pleased to be able to offer up to three webinars per week. Tomorrow, experts from Campbell's will provide guidance on relevant legal principles for both commercial and residential tenancies. The session will address a range of issues, including how to deal with scenarios ranging from non-payment of rent, the inability to pay, the landlord's right of re-entry, and documenting variations to lease terms. These webinars are free to attend and open to both chamber members and non-members. You can register at caymanchamber.ky. On a related note, Resilience Cayman is a new nonprofit organization working through the Cayman Islands Chamber of Commerce with a goal of promoting resiliency during tough times. Now, it was in the works before COVID-19, but sprung to action when measures to suppress the coronavirus shut down the local economy, hitting the tourism industry in particular hard. Jan Gupta spoke with me Friday about the work of the organization and the need they're seeing in the community. Cayman's been trying to protect itself from the, the, the physical impact of COVID-19. And it's, it, it clamped down pretty quickly and, and pretty hard mm -hmm. and basically shut down its economy. From that point though, what did you start to see happen? Um, I think there was the immediate impact was there, but I think to some extent it was cushioned because in general, employers tried to do the right thing to support their employees as long as they could. I do know in some of the hardest hit sectors like tourism, a lot of the larger employers there um, had income continuance, even if it wasn't 100%. There was some amount of money that was still provided. They kept people on the payroll, kept their health insurance going. Um, so I think the impact was blunted to quite an extent in the first month after the closures, pretty much through April, mid to, to late April. I think going into May now, where we are, is when that next wave, and we talk about waves now for everything, but, uh, and it's usually in the context of the virus's second wave, but I would say the wave of the economic impact and my concern and my focus is on the individual worker, on the, on the families. So everything that we've designed in resilience is really to help support individuals at that grassroots level, is that that second wave is hitting now with the payment of May's rent and then the health insurance, if that was taken away or somehow not able to be paid by employers who themselves are struggling as well, they have no revenue. And if they're not quite eligible for some of the initial programs that government has announced, they're still trying to figure out their feet if they can reopen, when they can reopen. So I think May, we will probably see uh, a larger wave of people asking for help. And then I think June really depends on how the opening goes, the reopening goes, how many businesses uh, get back 
open and being able to pay these workers. Jan Gupta from Resilience Cayman tells Radio Cayman they received over 5,000 requests for assistance through their online portal, way beyond what they imagined. She says the volunteer organization is cross-referencing those requests against aid provided by other folks, for example, NAU. They just want to make sure that the resources are going to those who most need it. She also says they are seeing something interesting about some of the people who are applying for help. They've always been the ones who actually contribute to charity, not the ones who ask for charity. Uh, a lot of the people who have applied are actually also signing up to volunteer and saying, we are asking for help, but we also want to be part of helping others. That's pretty cool in the middle of something so difficult. It's those human stories that really, you know, bring the face to this crisis to say, you know, there's a lot of courage under fire that's being uh, played out in Cayman every day. You can find out more about how to help or how to get help by visiting resilience.ky. Now, in response to COVID-19, a number of businesses have had to make a very quick transition from brick and mortar to online businesses. Radio Cayman's Paula Cow reports many of them have saved their businesses in the process. The Cayman Islands Center for Business Development in the Ministry of Commerce, Planning and Infrastructure will continue its webinar series by focusing on online businesses 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. The session titled Moving Your Business Online will cover topics such as evaluating business models, going the e-commerce route, assisting clients and customers with the transition of your business and online business safety. The webinar will be hosted by CICBD in partnership with John C. Bodden and Megan Rich of Cayman Isles Web Services. CEAWS provides online retail, service, event, and fundraising crowdfunding options to local businesses and organizations through its website and e-commerce platforms. The Cayman Islands Center for Business Development was opened in March this year to provide support to businesses across the islands, especially during COVID-19. For Radio Cayman News, I'm Paul Akal. You can join Thursday's webinar on Zoom. Visit radiocayman.gov.ky for the link. In sports, with no beach and no pools, coaches are having to get creative with their training. Radio Cayman's Dion Anglin has more on that. Dion? Thank you, April. The current situation is unprecedented and challenges swim instructors to find new ways to keep their members connected and engaged with the sport whilst adhering to government's guidance in response to the COVID-19 outbreak. With no beach or pool access, swim coaches are creating new ways to include new drills on land as the kids continue to build their progression of swimming out of the water. Coach Ryan Mushin, senior swimming instructor with the Department of Sports, has recently developed a YouTube channel that's fun and exciting titled Landlocked Learn to Swim for his three to eight-year-olds in his Learn to Swim program. Now on episode two, Coach Ryan says so far, the feedback has been encouraging. Well, I haven't checked about the feedback from yesterday, but it's all been positive feedback. A couple people are obviously editing whizzes that prepare to tell me how my editing is trash. But other than that, the kids love it. <laughs> but, um, you know, I started to think that, you know, a lot of the kids that are of age of like eight, nine, ten in our program, you know, they're starting to get into competitive sports, so they're on teams and leagues and whatever have you, where their coach, they have an actual coach that talks to them, whether it's swimming, football, or any of the other sports, basketball. So they're getting physical Zoom media contact with them. But what about the three to five-year-olds that, you know, were in my swim program, but that's all they were doing. And maybe they're doing ballet or some other sports, but like just getting to the tip of the iceberg with just 
learning all the sports and everything like that. So, I mean, I didn't think there was anything out there necessarily for them. And I wanted to stay relevant and just let them know that they're doing such a good job in their swimming and can't be easy for the three to five-year-olds either. So I figured, why not try to make something that they could be interactive with and move to once a week that they could be engaged with. But it's for anyone that really wants to, you know, because I assume brothers and sisters of the youngers will be working with them and helping them or parents. And, you know, it's just to engage, keep moving. What it's all about. Can you give us an example of the kind of exercises you have on there for the kids? Yeah, sure. So it's just, you know, basic stretches, stuff that we've gone over in our workouts, just the streamline, toe touches, inchworms, just kind of like basic yoga things that, that you could do and not hurt yourself and not you don't need anyone to necessarily monitor what you're doing as like a trained exercise professional. Then we're going to incorporate basic things that these learn to swim kids that don't know how to swim. We're doing, you know, arm circles, just moving their arms around backwards. Next week, we're going to have an interactive thing. I don't want to give it away, but it's going to be based on blowing bubbles that they have a tough time with. And then we like make it fun and have a little dance party. So last week, it was the limbo. This week, it was Hakuna Matata. And I dress up as different. Well, they don't, I don't think they know it's me because my costumes are pretty much mascot level. Um, <laughs> I was going so. to ask you about that, the different costumes. What inspired that? Well, you know... I hadn't done a lot of research, but now I'm on the on the web and I'm seeing all these these shows, these millionaire um, little these people are doing for these kids, and I don't know. I just wanted to make it fun and goofy and relevant for them, and I knew they were going to know who I was, who I was, and I wanted them just to kind of have a smile while they're just moving and dancing around and just forgetting the harsh times they were in and remembering that they're supposed to be three to five year olds and having a good time. All righty. And how often do you send the program? Are they something to be done daily or every other day? It's one episode per week. So I'm trying to make it like a TV show. So it's the same as the cast of characters remain the same. So they could maybe build kind of a relationship with them and, and know what's coming. For instance, we always start off with a character named Shipwreck and he does the workout. And then after we have the crab who's fun and does some dancing. And then, you know, there's a like a little kid who's afraid of the water next and who gives the drawing assignment. So they'll send in pictures and everything like that. So depending on when they watch it, I mean, hopefully it's something that they could watch over and over and just do that, that episode, you know, as many times as they want for that week. Trying to make it as real like a kid's show, because I don't know if you have kids, so you know they watch the same episode over and over and over again. You're like, don't you want to watch some other episode? Exactly, yeah. That's kind of the basis of what I was trying to do with that. Senior swimming instructor with the Department of Sports, Coach Ryan Mushin. That's it for sports for today. Back to you, April. Thanks, John. Without a doubt, COVID-19 has taken away many of our routines for daily work, home, and school. So how do we create structure in our homes during times like this? Radio Cayman's Shanda Gallego takes us now to the second of a six-part parenting webinar series that helps us understand the importance of structuring routines within the home and helpful tips on creating successful routines. During the second parenting webinar, FRC program facilitator Renee Ebanks explains when a child has structure in the home, it creates safety and belonging, helps with building skills and responsibility, and helps to build healthy habits. For parents, structure helps you get through daily tasks, gives a feeling of being more organized and in control, which lowers stress. So during COVID-19, we feel like we don't have that much control. So having control of what we do will help us to get our power back as well and lower our stress levels. And it frees you from having to resolve disputes and make decisions. So I'll give an example. Say Sunday night, it's pizza night at your house. There's no what 
our ifs about what's happening, what we're having for dinner. That's right there. Co-facilitator inclusion specialist at the Specialist Needs Foundation, Cayman Melanie Coffey, explains when it comes to creating successful routines, there are three factors that need to be considered: predictability, follow-through, and consistency. Having our kiddos know that certain things are non-negotiable, others may have some wiggle room, is really important. So that we're not just putting up visuals for people to look at, but that we're really setting up the expectations that we're going to do this, and we're going to do it great. And it might look different from day to day. We might shape it, but we're certainly not going to、um, throw it out the window too quickly. So, how do you structure routines within the home during COVID nineteen? Renee Ebanks says, for one, create a consistent but flexible daily routine. Collaborate with your child. Your child have a let them have a say. Ask them what time of day does this work best for you. Not giving your child the free all to do whatever they want, but have them give you an idea of like when academic work. Is best for them when free time is best for them. Things of the sort. You want your child to collaborate with you because that's how you get their buy-in at the end of the day. Schedule and review beforehand together, and plan your own schedule with your child. Like allow them to see that you have your own routine as well as not of、uh, you do what I say. Is hey, I have one too, and you can tell them okay during your math time, I'm going to be in a meeting. So you allow them to see that. You are unavailable during certain times as well. Other tips include establishing an area of certain activities, include snack time, afternoon breaks, and lunch time. Incorporate good hygiene and hand washing practice. Include chores, exercise, and other mindfulness activities. And also use visual aids. The COVID nineteen parenting webinar series will be interactive, and each week there will be a number of local experts and presenters giving insight and helpful tips. If you want to be a part of it, you will need to register, and you can do so by getting in touch with the FRC by calling nine four nine zero 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 six or by email frc at gov dot ky. Now they're back at it again tomorrow, May thirteenth. At 4:30 p.m. with a look at positive parenting during COVID-19 Part One, keeping it positive in the home. Shanda Gallego, Radio K News. To find out more, you can visit the Family Resource Center Facebook page. And that is your latest local news from Radio K News Newsroom. I'm April Cummings.